From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Along with us, of course, our uh, producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan. And uh, this is one of the broadcasts we look forward to. Every once in a while, we have the privilege of uh, having um, visit us here in Modesto area, Pastor Dennis Kazar. And, and uh, Dennis, always a privilege to have you here, and, and uh, it's great to catch you while you're here. And uh, we're privileged that you're able to make time for us. So welcome back to Modesto. And, uh, in fact, I was looking, um, Googled you uh, a couple of minutes ago before we got on the air, and um, there was a um, an event at Modesto Covenant. I think this last uh, April was it? It was her 50th celebration. 50th year anniversary. Right. Several of you that have shepherded that church got together. That was a fun time, wasn't it? It was a wonderful weekend. It really was. Yeah. Great uh, great to have you back. Well, friends, before we talk to Dennis, we'll be talking about his research and what God has called him to do in the area of the untroubled heart. Before that, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about another real-life Jesus freak. No matter how many times the Chinese communists torture him, Reverend Feng Cheng will not betray his fellow Christians. But this time, they drag his mother into the interrogation room, promising to release her if Cheng reveals the names of his colleagues. They even taunt him that he must follow the commandment to honor your father and mother. But Cheng's mother tells her son, I have taught you to love Christ. Don't mind my suffering. Seek to remain faithful to the Savior. Cheng does obey his mother, and he never sees her again. Parents, are you instilling that kind of faith in your children? Get a global perspective from the Voice of the Martyrs. Go online to persecution.com. You know, isn't that amazing? And and we're going to unpack uh, the journey to the untroubled heart here in a couple minutes with uh, Pastor Dennis. But isn't that amazing? Uh, that, that kind of persecution and the mom steps up and says, you know what, this, this is all about God. Talk about an untroubled heart. An untroubled heart and a great biblical perspective. Huh? Amen to that. My goodness. Uh, 
just unbelievable some of the things that occurs and we we take our our liberty and our freedoms for granted many many times well you know we want to speak uh, for just a moment to people who may be number crunchers and want to help out during tax time and I know that uh, wouldn't include a lot of us myself but uh, volunteers who would like to uh, make a difference for those who who might be uh, facing tax time can do that and we would just encourage you to uh, help out those individuals you might want to uh, help to do that in low-income working families and be a VITA volunteer, volunteer income tax help assistance. You can sign up now to do so, and uh, you might be interested in being an IRS volunteer tax preparer or being a customer greeter intake uh, or being an interpreter. And if you're interested in doing uh, any of that type of thing, you can call Cindy Ray at 209-341-2988, or you can give us a call here at ABC, 209-544-9571, and we would be... uh, um, able to help you out and connect you to the opportunity to make a difference at tax time. That's upon us before we know it, and uh, we would encourage you to to uh, help out in those kinds of ways to volunteer. Well, we love speaking about matters of the heart, and we are so glad. And, you know, the IRS didn't show up know. after my comment. <laughs> a couple of broadcasts well, ago. You know, but, but don't something speak about soon. confiscatory just, taxation you know. or something. But we do have to render to Caesar. What we is do. Caesar's, we right? must so, do that, and I'm yeah, sure Right. Dennis Kazar would agree with us on that, but we are so <laughs> glad. With a joyful heart. With yeah. a joyful heart, and we yeah, are speaking of matters with the heart, and we just, uh, we, we, we can call you a heart specialist of sorts, couldn't we, uh, Dennis? I'm learning. I'm, yes. I'm an intern. Well, we're so glad that you're here with us, and so glad uh, that your book is out and doing very well. Yes. yes. Thank you. Yeah, we... Uh, it's only been out about a month, but we're very excited with the reception that it's getting in the places that it's getting to because we don't really have a marketing program ourselves. So it's word of mouth uh, through friends that get it, and then they order 10, 12 other copies for other friends, and then they order for a friend, and it's starting to move around the country, actually. Hope for the troubled heart in the times that we're living in. Hope is a, a very good thing for us. Well, you know, I, I, I find anyone that I mention just the title to, mm. Hope for the Troubled Heart. Yes. People say, you know, that's something that I need. A uh, stockbroker the other day was going through with the, all the financial difficulties and the uh, turn down on the economy and what he was going through. And a friend of ours was meeting with him and just told him, about the book title. He said, I need that book. Mm. My friend bought it for him. I took it up to the stockbroker, and he just grabbed it, went to his office, and said, I'm going to read it. He said, I need this now. You know, so much of Scripture encourages us to walk out our faith, mm-hmm. uh, to walk our talk, because the non-believing world is watching. Exactly. And they want to see if there's something attractive uh, that they need. You know, and, and if we're walking around totally down in the mouth and discouraged. Uh, there's not much to, to attract people to Christ. And uh, Dennis, let's back up just a little bit, because many people maybe have not heard the uh, the first one or two broadcasts that you yeah. did with us. Let's go back and, and track how God laid on your heart to talk about the heart. Well, that, uh, that was an interesting story. About six years ago, I had to face my own untrou- my own troubled heart. Mm. Um, didn't realize what some of the disconnects were, some of the issues that I was having. Been a pastor for years, been to seminary, administered literally all over the world. And yet, 
there was a void. There was some disconnect there that I couldn't put my hand on. And about six years ago, I met a man in Colorado Springs and spent 10 days with him. And he was the specialist in the heart because mm. I'd want to talk about behaviors. Mm. And he said, uh, it doesn't matter. He said, if your heart doesn't change, nothing really changes. And uh, he just kept zeroing in on that theme. And he said, otherwise, you're just shuffling behaviors around, like shuffling the chairs in the Titanic because it's going down. <laughs> and he said, so you've you got to get to the heart of the matter. Mm. And I was a little frustrated. I thought, well, that sounds pretty simplistic, you know. I wanted something more profound. But I went back home and I did my own study on the heart and realized that it's the most referred to topic in the Bible. Mm. And that God says, you know, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Mm -hmm. And Jesus in the New Testament, the passage that really struck me, was in Mark 7, where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. And he said, you know, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Mm -hmm. And he said, you're all concerned about the outside of the cup, but the inside is filthy. Mm -hmm. But the disciples were listening. And uh, they said, we don't understand and I love what Jesus said. He said, are you so dull? <laughs> Don't you get it? It's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but it's what comes out of the man and out of the heart. And he lists 13 things. And uh, six of them are what we would call outward habits, behaviors, murder, adultery, all the rest. But seven of them have to do with what we might call sins of the spirit. Greed, envy, jealousy, strife. He said it all comes from the same place. And unless the heart gets changed, nothing changes. When that changes, everything begins mm. to change. So that got me on a track just from my own personal study. And I shared it with a friend who was uh, going through some difficulties, just some of my own discoveries. And he said, you know, you need to share this with my people. He uh, was a businessman in the Bay Area. He had his headquarters. And he set up a meeting with uh, uh, many of his staff, but he had an atheist there, his uh, CFO, his IT guy, a big company. And I went there and I presented uh, a basic seminar. Mm. And the response was very encouraging. But he said, you know, he said, when we roll out a new product, we do at least three beta groups. And you've got to do two more. I said, Jim, I said, this is not... I'm not wanting to do a seminar. He said, you got to do two more and then you can quit. <laughs> <laughs> so we set up with friends, uh, kind of the beta groups. We had doctors and counselors and pastors, educators, and I had them critique what I was sharing. And the feedback was great. And it was mm. very confirming. We polished it some more and worked on it. And then I set it aside. I said, I've done my three. But God wouldn't let us put it aside. It just kept coming back up. And we put, did a PowerPoint presentation then and uh, developed a, work, a workbook and then began to do seminars. I've done it overseas in Latvia, translated into Latvian. But I've done it here in the States. And then I had a man come to a seminar that I did up in Oregon who uh, was an editor, is an editor, worked for Multnomah uh, Publishers, but he was freelancing. And he said, you know, you have a book here. you got to put this in book form. Mm. And then another couple stepped forward and said, we want to pay to have that done. Wow. Mm. So that was a little over a year ago. And uh, we've been working on it intensely for the year. And about a month ago, it came out. Amen. 
Hope for the troubled heart, their journey to an untroubled heart. You know, uh, here at ABC, Elaine and I have been invited to uh, uh, several community meetings and, and often focusing on the gang issue, you know, which is big here, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's big everywhere. I don't know about Sisters Oregon, but... Uh, <laughs> not too many gangs there. Not too many gangs in Sisters Oregon, but brother, we have them here. Uh, I know you do. <laughs> and uh, what's very interesting is as you hear the uh, gang task force police officers talk about what is the real issue, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they keep coming back and they say, you know, it's all about the family and about the individual heart. Yeah, you know, and, and there's all, all the amount of law enforcement we can throw at it is not going to solve that problem. It, it has to do with the inside and with the inside of uh, as people work together as a family unit. You know, so I think, uh, Dennis, you know, God has you right on in this and in terms of really nailing a lot of issues that we're dealing with today. Absent heart change, not a lot is going to change in, in our society, is it? You know, Michael, uh, one of the things that really confirmed this to me was one of the seminars that I did, uh, there was a psychologist there, Hmm. a very successful guy, great practice, and I was a little apologetic. I thought, here's this psychologist. I'm a pastor, and I'm talking about people's problems, you know, guilt, bitterness, anxiety. And so I, I would say things like, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a pastor, and this is the scripture. The break time, he comes up to me. He said, Dennis, he said, quit apologizing for what you're doing. You're dealing with a real problem. We're dealing with the symptoms. Uh, Here's $1,000. Keep it up. Well, wow. Amen. And then he got, when my book came out, he got 10 books. He said, I'm putting it in my waiting room. Mm. As people come in for their counseling to me, he said, I hope they pick up your book and take it home and they don't need me. That mm. speaks volumes. And, well, or, it was you know. just kind of overwhelming to me. Sure. And, uh, and I think the timing is, is good because sure. uh, troubled times, Amen. troubled times, troubled hearts. That Amen. has to really make you feel blessed in your ministry, Dennis, as you see people's hearts truly change after helping them to see what, what it is about their hearts that, that this issue really is about. That's true. And, and going back to what you said earlier, Michael, about uh, the world looking at Christians and sometimes not seeing much difference, same anxieties, the same worries, the same guilt and bitterness and so forth. And one of the statements we <clears throat> make in the book is the world is not impressed by our relationship to Christ. You're a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Muslim, but they're impressed by our resemblance to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that resemblance to Christ comes out of the changed heart. And out of guarding the heart from which all the issues of life flow. Mm, amen. And Dennis had the privilege of, of sitting in on one of those beta groups mm. here and, and uh, j- just listening to the reactions ar- around the table. You know, and, and I, what struck me at the time was in our rat race society and even in vocational ministry with all the tax forms that are due and, <laughs> and all the paperwork that has to be oh, yeah. done and all the needs that are coming in. We just don't take time for a heart tune-up, do we? Exactly right. You know, it seems like a, a scheme of the enemy uh, for us to ignore our own uh, heart issues and, and not take that uh, that time out. As you've delivered uh, these seminars and, and uh, sermons and and um, talked to people about the book, written the book, what 
what strikes you in terms of what we have to do as believers today to really pay attention to our own heart condition? A couple of things, a great question, but a couple of things uh, that I had to wrestle with. Why is it that we have so much information, so much knowledge, so many Bible studies, so many books, and yet so many disconnects? Mm -hmm. And so that whole thing of how do you get the Scripture from the head into the heart? And how is it possible to have a head full of Scripture and a heart full of sin? Mm -hmm. Happens all the time. Happened to me. Happens to people. And one of the things that I think we have really lost a sight of is the whole concept of biblical meditation. And that's the way I, I find to move the scripture from the head to the heart. You can memorize scripture. You can study scripture. You can hear sermons ad infinitum. But if you don't only just take it in and ingest it, but if you don't digest it mm. and you don't get it into the heart, it's not going to make much difference. So one of the things we try to encourage people to do is that uh, the Psalms are full of it. And David said, while I was musing or while I was meditating, the fire burned. <coughs> yes. The fire burned. Mm-hmm. And that's when it, the heart change, I, start, I think, starts taking place. That really is uh, the activity of, of evidence of the Holy Spirit working and and um, that communication that takes place between God and, and and us, which we choke out. And I think you're right, Dennis. You know, I mean, we all know folks who can spew uh, verses, um, memorize, you know, like crazy and put some of us to shame sometimes. But it really does boil down to how are we living it out? And as you say, how are we translated from the, the head down to the heart? By the way, again, friends, if you're just joining us, Visiting with Pastor Dennis Kazar, and, and we're here in the front room yes. of Advancing mm-hmm. Vibrant Communities, and we like it just to kick back here, and you hear the trucks, and the, the eventual siren is yes, going to go yeah. by, but it's <laughs> kind of nice to sit back in our living room here and just visit with Dennis. Uh, when I did the book, and we were trying to think through sort of a logical sequence to dealing with the heart, going from a troubled heart to an untroubled heart, uh, some of the chapter titles we started off with is uh, I give a description of a troubled heart, and that's my own, mm. my own story. I didn't want the book to be about me, and yet it's my story. Mm. And so I talk about a troubled heart. And then how do you experience a changed heart? And, of course, I go into conversion and consecration. There, God will give you the new heart. And then we talk about uh, you can even have a changed heart. You can be converted. And you can be consecrated, and your heart's still not free. You still haven't dealt with some of the heart wounds. And so we talk about freeing the guilty heart, freeing your heart from guilt. Erwin Lutzer said that he believes the greatest single cause of failure in the Christian life is unresolved guilt. So we talk about guilt, dealing with that, freeing the heart from that. And then freeing the bitter heart. Oh, my goodness. The people I talk to... Just talked to a man. I challenged him again because he's going through a divorce. And uh, have you dealt with the bitterness? I, I sensed this. Oh, yeah, I'm not bitter. But, you know, if you've been hurt and you haven't processed the hurt, you're probably bitter. And that root of bitterness in the heart begins to poison and pollute and contaminate. So we really hit bitterness uh, head on. And then anxiety. 
And I, I talk about it in terms of guilt more in our vertical relationship before God, bitterness more in our horizontal relationship with people, and anxiety is more of the personal one, the internal one, that we get anxious and worried and, and so forth. So I try to hit those dimensions. But after the heart's free, then we talk about defending the heart. <laughs> uh, guard your heart. It's good. It's good. And it's really interesting because I went through the Gospels, and Jesus <clears throat> uses the word guard about five or six times, tells you what to guard your heart from. Now, we know we need to guard it from all sin, but he's real specific on, on some things. So I talk about defending your heart and spiritual warfare and so forth. But after all that, you got to nurture the heart. And that's meditation. That's mm. the one that we get on meditation. And then renewing your heart. Because even after you do all this, there are going to be times you're going to blow it. Mm. What do you do when you blow it? How do you quickly renew your heart? Get it back where it ought to be. And then the empowering of the free heart. The work of the Holy Spirit from the inside out. Empowering us to keep the heart where it ought to be. So those are some of the things we some of the chapter titles in the book. Seems like we live in a day and age where we're thinking so much about our physical condition of our heart, <laughs> right. and there's so much to our spiritual condition. This is an ongoing thing, isn't it, Dennis? Right. One of the things we are working on now is a, uh, a spiritual heart exam, mm. you know, and, and mm. we do have that where people uh, at the beginning of a seminar can take this spiritual heart exam and just try to get them to look... Mm deeper than maybe we ever have, you know, mm. at the heart. And get that exam and then deal with it. Well, I told you the siren was coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're coming to take yeah. you but away. they're no. not coming to take <laughs> me today. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, Dennis, too, what, what's um, implicit in all of this is that this is not a, uh, a light switch that you turn on and off. This is not an event. Uh, this is a lifetime process, isn't it? That's a key word, Michael, and I do try to emphasize that in a seminar. It's a process. It's not seven steps and presto, you know, you're, 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 you're there. Uh, it's a process, and you have to work it. You have to apply it. So what we've done in trying to make the book as practical as we possibly can, at the end of each chapter, I have a thought to remember a verse to review, and a question for reflection. And then at the end of the book, we have for each chapter a series of study questions that you can do one-on-one -on -one or in a group or discipling someone and work through the uh, going deeper, we call it, going deeper questions. Because like anything else, if we don't apply it and we don't uh, work it through, you can read it and say, well, that was a great book. I enjoyed that and put it on the shelf with the others. And doing any good. So this is set up for study, so groups. Yes, and, and this groups can do it. Uh, couples can do it. Mm -hmm. Do it in individual study. Right. Dennis, it, a few moments ago, you mentioned the word guard mm -hmm. and uh, the way Jesus used it. Uh, curious in, in your study, uh, going back to Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, uh, and talking about anxiety, yeah, do not yeah. be anxious for anything. Right. And the end, but our our hearts it will be we guarded in Christ Jesus. And uh, you know, I think that's that's a, a mystifying statement to men. What in the world does it mean to have your heart to you know guarded in Christ Jesus? Can can you unpack that a little bit? For I'll us? try. Thanks for the question. Absolutely. I like it 
because uh, those are the verses on uh, freeing the anxious heart. We again spot that those verses. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I've tried to take that verse and really break it down, because again we we know it, but do we do we do it? And um, in fact, on the the chapter that I have is. Uh, all about that, that those particular verses. When it says, "Be anxious for nothing," I, t- I try to start start them there, um, and then developing that attitude of gratitude in everything. And I and I say, you know, everything means everything, because if not, then it's a cumulative effect. It's not a big deal here, but it does bother me. And then you build, build, build. Then you find yourself being very anxious. So, when it's a command, be anxious for nothing. So I say, okay. If I feel, and here's a phrase that I use that I picked up, pay attention to the tension. Hmm. Pay attention to the tension. So when I find myself getting a little tense and uptight, I better pay attention. I'm being anxious for something about something. So that's that's the warning light be anxious for nothing okay i am anxious but in everything that which is great intention to me i need to release that pour out my heart before god psalm 62 verse 8 says pour out your heart before god O we people don't don't keep it there pour it out to god and then uh, another key in there is with thanksgiving yes with thanksgiving and appropriate, I guess, for this time of year, but that's uh, a missing element sometimes. You know, that I will say, okay, I'm anxious. I'm not to be anxious for anything. So now I do pray about it. But then I begin to thank God and praise God for who he is and that he's sovereign, that he cares about me, he loves me, he's going to provide for me. He's not going to let anything happen to me that's going to ruin his plan or purpose for my life. Nobody can mess that up, or nothing can mess it up except me. <laughs> and so, again, you begin to thank God. Then what happens when it's just a peace of God, guard your hearts and minds? Is it, the picture there is of a sentinel walking back and forth, guarding. And those thoughts that want to come in then, because I have given them over to God, I've given thanks to God, there's that protective shield there. And one of the experiences I like to relate that I had that made that very real to me. I was uh, in Brazil going into the interior for some meetings, but I had to fly into Sao Paulo, Brazil first, change planes and fly into the capital, Brasilia. But I have a longtime friend uh, I went to college with, a missionary in Sao Paulo. I'd made arrangements for him to meet me uh, at the airport. I had a couple-hour layover. I was really looking forward to it. We landed. I got in this long line that you had to wade in to go through and check your passport to get out. And I was fuming. I mean, I, I, the tension was there. The, the line wasn't moving, and they are, you know, just fooling around. And a long line. The time was going. I could see my friend out there. Couldn't get to him. And I just felt myself anxiety. I mean, it was almost anxiety attack. I was just, you know. 
And God spoke to me through those verses, very verses. Be anxious for nothing. In everything, I pray and supplication with thanksgiving. Okay, God, I thank you that you're in control of the line of my life. You brought me here. And I, I literally felt a release of tension. Mm-hmm. But right at that moment, a lady standing next to me I hadn't even noticed because I was so preoccupied with me <laughs> and getting through there. She said, excuse me, sir. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, uh, sure. She said, do you believe in angels? Mm. And I said, yes. I said, why do you ask? She said, because I see a lot of light around you. I said, lady, any light you see around me is Jesus Christ. He's the Mm. light of the world. Mm. She said, do you believe that? Mm. I said, with all my heart. (laughs) And uh, she said, well, tell me what you believe about angels. Well, we got in this wonderful discussion. And I said, I sense you're really searching for God. She said, I am. She said, I have been since I was a teenager. And before I left on the trip, I put one copy of Josh McDowell's book, More Than a Carpenter, in my briefcase. Ah, yes. I said, this is for you. Mm-hmm. And I said, what brings you to Sao Paulo? She said, I'm, I'm doing some lectures. I said, what do you lecture on? She says, uh, uh, I lecture on spirituality. And I said, oh, that's, that's very interesting, new age stuff Mm -hmm. but she was so hungry we have corresponded I've sent her other books I don't know she's made a commitment to Christ but I realized I would have missed that whole thing if I would have stood there just but I I felt that peace guarding Mm -hmm. but you have to go through that verse I think step by step a logical order and memorize it meditate on it and then do, do it and God's peace. I've seen it again and again for myself and for other people. It is one of those verses, I mean, quite common for us to memorize. Mm -hmm. uh, And one that we can speed read through quite quickly, but uh, never unpack Mm -hmm. and spend the time to really see what... And and can you imagine what was going through Paul when uh, the Holy Spirit prompted him to write that? And he's I mean, in prison. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> he's in prison. Just amazing. And how many yeah. times that verse came to play in his life. Mm. You know, another, another story that I read of Matthew Henry, who's uh, written commentaries on, on the scripture, just an old school commentator. He wrote in his journal one time, uh, he said uh, he was robbed one day. And he came in that night and he wrote in his journal. And he said, I thank God that I was robbed today. And then he goes on and he said, but I, I, I thank God because it was I who, who was robbed, not I who robbed. Mm. I'm thankful that they took my wallet but didn't take my life. And he goes on and he, mm. he turns this whole thing around of just thanking God for anything and everything that happens. Amen. Grateful. Yeah. That's a, that's a- yeah great way of looking at it. Well, we've got more great sharing to do here with Dennis Kazar right after building 429 songs, Space in Between Us, here on Lighthouse Light. Look at my heart again Look at the mess I Trust in you To know that you'll see me 
to your love and to your grace. I'm not looking back till I see your face. I'm running straight to you. Building 429 with the space in between us on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike Elaine and special guest with us, Mr. Dennis Kazar. I should say Pastor Dennis Kazar, author, speaker, and we probably could say a whole lot more. And we're just very pleased that he could carve out the time to be with us as he's in the area visiting and and uh, sharing with us all about his new book that is out and doing so well. And congratulations on that. And our prayers are with you that it will just reach a whole lot more, Dennis. 
Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Well, this whole thing obviously is a God thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, for, for you. And talk a little bit about what God is doing through Hope for the Troubled Heart. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, Michael, this uh, book came out of a lot of pain. It was a very, very difficult book to write because I'm writing a lot of my own story. I'm writing my own failures. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's not a fun thing to do. In fact, it was pretty gut-wrenching uh, to to write that and decide how vulnerable to be. And uh, yet, as we completed the book, we felt a tremendous sense of peace and that God had uh, led us and directed us in the book. And since it's been out for about a month, he's really confirmed that mm. in several ways. Uh, one, we had friends <coughs> in, uh, in Bend who had had a CPA had taken advantage of them and many other people and ended up in a federal penitentiary. Mm. Mm. Wow. 65 years old, he had okay. ripped wow. people off over a million dollars, okay. ended up in the penitentiary, mm. lost, of course, his business, his family, his house, mm. and then his health, a brain tumor. And uh, these friends, even though he took advantage of them, they loved him and mm. they wrote to him mm. and they wanted me to send him the book. Wow. wow. I did. He wrote back, I wish I had his letter with me, just a great, great letter of how the book had really impacted him, sharing it with other prisoners. He told my friend, he said, other prisoners are standing in line to read the book. Wow. Praise God. Amen. Because, yeah, so that that was an early kind of confirmation. Uh, so that was one. And then um, I have another friend who uh, lives down by Palm Springs now. But he got the book, and he calls me periodically, and he said, I got a guy in La Jolla I want you to send it to. I got a guy, in Ar- a doctor in Arkansas, mm. psychiatrist in Philadelphia. Well, he got one to the Young Life, the director of Young Life for Canada. And uh, I got a call from this man, and he had been reading the book. And he said he just really liked the book and was very impressed. And he said, we have a men's conference in May for British Columbia area, their new Young Life Camp and Retreat Center, which is a fabulous place. They have a few hundred men that come from all over that area. And he said, would you consider coming and being a speaker? I said, sure. And he said, well, I don't make the decision. The committee makes it. He said, but I'd like to present your book and and things to them. So we sent him a book and a couple of DVDs. And uh, a few days later, he called back. He said, we enthusiastically invite you uh, to come and be our main speaker. And I said, great. I said, what would you like me to speak on? He said, well, what do you think? You know, <laughs> He said, on guilt and on bitterness and on anxiety and uh, on the troubled heart. And I said, great, I'll, I'll be there. Uh, so that was another wonderful opportunity that opened up. And then a lady friend of ours in Tacoma, Washington, got the book, said she sat on Reddit at one setting. And uh, wanted another book. I wanted to go to her pastor. She works on the counseling team at the church and uh, wants to sponsor a seminar up there in uh, in Tacoma and hopefully get other churches involved as well. So it's beginning to have that kind of effect. And my brother, uh, who he's been very resistant to the gospel. And uh, years ago, he made a profession of faith with me. But he got, went through a divorce, got involved in the business world, and wanted nothing to do. And he told me once, he said, 
I got a deal. I just want God to leave me alone, and I'll leave him alone. Mm. I said, well, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> I said, God's not going to leave you alone, and I'm not going to leave you alone. Well, we had a heart seminar, uh, actually in Oakdale. And I invited my brother to come, but my faith was small. I didn't think mm. he'd come. Mm. Uh, there was no way. He showed up, brought his wife and a friend, sat there for the whole day, took copious notes on it, talked to me at the break. He said, we got to talk. Mm. Next day, I went up to his place in Groveland, and we had the best heart-to-heart talk we ever have had in, wow. in all our years growing up because we were a very dysfunctional family and had very little to do with each other. And uh, he said it was the most helpful thing that he had mm. ever been to. The follow-up hasn't been great for him because he's so involved in business, but we saw him last Sunday, gave him a book. He looked at it and I read him a few things in it, and he wanted five more right away to give to his people that he worked with, wow. some of the bosses. So <clears throat> that's kind of the way it's going. We had another couple that uh, we wanted a book. We gave it to them, and uh, they went home. They lived in another area. Next day, they emailed us and said, we want 12 more, <laughs> 12 wow. more mm-hmm. books. We want to give it to So that's the way it's starting to go, where God's going to take it. I, I have no idea. I have no plan, really, other than trusting him to get it in the hands of the people that he wants it in. And if it helps them, they'll pass it on to somebody else. As I recall in, in your seminars about the heart, you have also presented, not, not just for churches and for ministry groups, but you've presented to secular organizations too, I think, right? That's right, and that's the way it started. And uh, I think that that is an avenue that uh, we'll continue to explore. In fact, I've talked to some people here about that. Well, it seems to me that God can use that powerfully in that way. What were some of those early kind of reactions to your your seminar from the secular community? Well, I did it. One of the the first times it was really amazing. I was in uh, Latvia, and uh, I know the brother of the vice president of Canon Corporation for all of Latvia. And he wanted me to come in and talk to his employees salespeople and all, in in Latvia, this big Canon corporation, sec, total secular, mm. non-Christian. And I thought, now, how how do I do this? You know, because I'm more used to the Christian audiences and sure. scripture. But it, I thought, well, this is a good test. He brought them together. And I started out by saying, you know, you guys are salespeople. You want to be successful. And you're out there just going for it, you know. We talked about sales. I said, but if there's inner conflicts going on, you're not as free as you could be, and you can't be as good a salesman as you would like to be because you're dealing with issues of guilt and anxiety and bitterness. So I let it in that way while they were right there with me. And he invited me to come back and do a much longer seminar. I haven't done it yet with the whole employees. So I think God's going to open up that door. Uh, as I said, that stockbroker, and I've talked to other businessmen, and uh, they're saying, yeah, we can use this. Talk to my brother even a little bit. I say, get some of your friends together, and, sure. and we'll do it for them. And in an informal setting, not in a church, and I don't care about the numbers. You know, it might be 10 or 20 businessmen, and we can walk them through this, and uh, I think God will use it in that way. Yeah, I'm sure, Elaine, people are saying, well, 
All right, Mike, how do we get the book? You know, <laughs> we've whetted their appetite now. Hope for the trouble heart. How do we, how do people uh, get hold of that book, Dennis? Yes, you can uh, contact us. I can, our ministry is called World Leadership Ministries. Okay. And uh, our post office box is 2161. That's in Bend, Oregon. And the zip there is 97709. We also have a website. You can order the book off of the website. We have an order form there. Good deal. And our website is www.worldleadershipministries, one word, dot org. And uh, the book is uh, $15. And uh, just write us, and we would get a book out, out to you. Beautiful Bend, Oregon. Beautiful Bend, Oregon. <laughs> We've been there, uh, well, we've been in Central Oregon 13 years. All right. Left Modesto, went to Sisters, Oregon, which is about 20 miles away. Pastored a church there for a while. Our son's the pastor there now. And we're in Bend. And uh, I did a lot of travel overseas, but, you know, the Lord has called us more and more just to focus on this. This is sort of a life message now, you know. Well, that's a little bit of a culture change, uh, Modesto to uh, Oregon. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> We had lived in Oregon before in the valley in Corvallis. But I uh, was raised in Oakland, but for two years I lived in Turlock uh, with my grandparents. Uh, and that was my first exposure to the gospel. Uh, I didn't accept the Lord then, but at least I heard the word there. Amen. Friends, once again, the website where you can order the book, Hope for the Troubled Heart. <laughs> It's www.worldleadershipministries.org. Again, that's worldleadershipministries.org. We'll be right back with Lighthouse Live after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet... Thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing vibrant communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs and then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. 
AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing vibrant communities, faith in action, pure, simple, proven effective, carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we do thank you wherever you may happen to be listening. Pastor Mike Elaine and our special guest, Dennis Kazar on Lighthouse Live. Dennis, uh, let's take maybe one or two uh, uh, areas of the book. And, and you talked about bitterness, mm-hmm. you know, and, and within the church, you know, uh, the evil one uses that as as a, a catalyst for a lot of destructive uh, things, and uh, in terms of families and church congregations, and uh, bitterness is just something that is is around us, and we are susceptible to. Let's let's dig a little deeper on bitterness, and and what uh, what does God give us <clears throat> to battle bitterness, and in, in terms of that journey to the untroubled heart. Uh, I find I don't think I've ever heard anyone, Mike, say that they're bitter. Mm. You know, people will say, well, I'm anxious or maybe I, I feel guilty. But uh, many people will say, you know, I have been hurt by another church member, by a spouse or an employer. And I try to make the point that if you have been hurt and you've not processed that hurt, it can easily turn into bitterness. And uh, people don't even realize it, but... Scripture talks about a root of bitterness, 
that springs up and uh, obviously affects you, but it contaminates other people. And so I try to get people to really uh, look at that, acknowledge the bitter feelings. That's one of the first things, that I'm a bitter person, that I've, I've got bitterness uh, in my heart <laughs> uh, towards someone. Sometimes you have to probe a little bit, you know, and uh, by asking that question, has anybody hurt you? How have you processed that? They talk long enough. You watch the body language, and you begin to see the tightness there. And uh, you say, all right. And I've had people, I had a good friend say to me once, he said, you're a bitter guy, just that directly. Hmm. Oh, I'm not bitter, you know, not me. But when I was honest with myself and acknowledged it, I said, yeah, hmm. there, there is bitterness. So I think that's one of the first steps. And then what I tell people is once you have acknowledged that, you've got to assume responsibility for your part in it. Maybe the other person, whoever it was, that hurt you, wounded you, maybe they were 95% wrong. Maybe you're only 5% wrong. In it. But your 5% becomes your 100%. Mm -hmm. And you've got to deal with that. And you can't change the other person. But you've got to deal with yourself. And I like to tell people that uh, bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow. And that's, people, well, they recognize it. And then abandon your desire to get even. Mm -hmm. You know, they, we have that. Yeah. A tendency. You want to play hardball with me, I'll play hardball with you. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. But you, at some point, after you've acknowledged your feelings of bitterness to the Lord, and that you've really, you know, dealt with those uh, feelings by assuming your responsibility, I am bitter, then abandon that. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's not up to me to get even with other people, but to uh, just leave that go. And then ask God to use you to bless and minister to the life of the person that's hurt you. And that takes a lot of, a lot of grace, obviously. And then act in obedience to the Spirit's prompting. What can I do? What should I do uh, in showing some love and kindness? The scripture says, you know, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Right. You know? And, but people have to work through that. But the first step, I think, is just acknowledging that. Because we've all been wounded. Well, and, and that approach, uh, Dennis and, and Elaine, is so 180 degrees away from our litigious society. Uh, if you get hurt, even if you only have 1% fault and the other person is 99% fault, sue them. You know, I mean, go get them. Yeah, and so we're talking about really, as, as Christ was, is uh, being counterculture. And, and that, takes, uh, that takes some doing, doesn't it? And it brings us back to what we were saying earlier, you know. If Christians can experience God's grace and God's forgiveness, deal with that bitterness, and then respond in a godly, Christ-like way to those that have hurt them, that's so different than the world again. Mm -hmm. Because the world is watching The us. world is watching, that's and right. that is really demonstrating yes. uh, Christ-likeness to the like world, that. and they can't quite comprehend that. Absolutely. And I've, uh, I had a secretary whose son was killed by a drunk driver. Mm -hmm. A 21-year-old boy that she was very, very close to. I got that <coughs> call at 3 o'clock one morning, mm -hmm. and he'd been killed. But, you know, 
It, it, she just reached out to that man. She forgave him. He was in jail. Mm. Wow. She visited him. She wow. sent him materials. She loved on the guy. And rather than just sitting there and being bitter and angry and hostile. And I've seen the other reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people, I won't forgive. I would never forgive them that. Right. And it just eats them alive and poisons yes. them. And one of the things we say, you know, it's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we becoming better actors or better Christians? Yeah. And we can become better actors. Mm-hmm. But the real test comes when you have something to forgive. Amen. <laughs> And you have something to do with, are you going to do it in in a godly way, according to Scripture? And God's grace is there in the enablement of the Holy Spirit to let you do that, to release it. And I've seen people uh, do that again and again. Uh, I can give you more stories on that. That, that process stop. of releasing that stuff to God mm-hmm. sounds easy. Oh, <clears throat> You know, one of, oh, friend of mine like, used to say it's like taking a, a heavy backpack, you, you trudge all the way to the cross with it you lay it down you turn around and out of habit you go pick it up again as, you, as right. you're walking away very and hard for us to lay it down you gotta lay it down again and it's it's a continuous process but you know you say what's the alternative mm. you're going to walk around being uh, angry and bitter and uh, you know and it just destroys a person i've seen people destroyed by bitterness i had yes. an uncle that that's what happened to him because his brother beat him out of an inheritance. Mm-hmm. And on his deathbed, literally, he finally let it go. Wow. It's quite a story. I give it in the book. I won't get into it now. Well, Dennis, our hour has quickly gotten away <laughs> right. from us. How can we pray for you, the book, your beautiful wife, Joan? How, how can we pray Thank for you? I really appreciate you asking. Uh, we do need prayer for the distribution of the book, for the impact of the book. Okay. And... Uh, you know, I don't want the book to be a stumbling block to anyone, which it could be in some of the things in the first chapter, but the Lord will just protect the people and get it in the hands of the ones that he wants it in. I'll be making contact with other publishers, and we'll see where it goes. Amen. Once again, friends, the website, www.worldleadershipministries.org. All right. Thank you so much. Thank God you. bless My you, Dennis. Pleasure. All right. Great and thank you, dear friends, for listening wherever you are. And may God continue to bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you, too, so much. <laughs>